to join us today. We're recording live from the Good Shepherd Sanctuary. It's unfamiliar circumstances because of the crisis. So we're trusting God that this broadcast will be able to reach you wherever you are uh, by the power of God's Holy Spirit and bring comfort and deliverance to all of us in this very troubling times. Shall we bow our hearts in prayer? Heavenly Father, we approach you in faith, in humility. Thank you for this opportunity you have given to us, Lord, to come and to record this broadcast. Thank you for the medium. Thank you for the access, technology that you're using across the world through many churches, through many homes, through many sanctuaries to proclaim the gospel of your Son, Jesus Christ, in the power of your Spirit. Bring comfort to those who are at home and strengthen us and empower us. Let your word go forward with clarity and wisdom, bringing salvation and hope to those who are lost. I ask this in Jesus' most holy name of Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Our scripture reading today is taken from the book of Acts chapter 8, reading verse 26 down to verse 40, and it says, Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of, of the Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home, seated in his chariot. He was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over to his, this chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you understand what you are reading? He replied, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb silent before a shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, about whom, may I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip began to speak, and starting with this scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What is it to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop. And both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water. And Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. 
But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he was passing through the region, he proclaimed the good news to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. May God add a blessing to the reading of his holy word. Today, as we have noted in the text, we want to focus on the conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch. It's interesting to note sometimes the ways God works in people's lives that they're beyond finding out. They're mystifying. Sometimes they are indeed hard to understand. And so that's why God was saying in Isaiah that your thoughts are not my thoughts and your ways are not my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts your thoughts. So let's, let's have a background, a backdrop into this, this story. Philip was called an evangelist by the Lord Jesus Christ. He was a vital member of the church, the book of Acts, the birth of the church. And Philip was gifted with special divine gifts, namely in Acts chapter 8, if you go in the earlier from, from verse 1, uh, the gifts of healings, the gift of miracles and deliverance. Now the Bible says in Acts chapter 8 and verse 1 that um, when, when, when Stephen died in Acts chapter 7, he was stoned. Stephen became the first martyr of the Christian church. He was stoned because of the testimony and the preaching of the word of God. He was proclaiming that Jesus Christ was Lord and Savior and Lord of all. That clashed with the Roman Empire. It clashed with, 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 with some of the, the Judaistic beliefs. And so he was stoned. Saul was consenting to his death. Saul was an upcoming Pharisee who attended the University of Gamaliel. He was a brilliant young man and he was responsible for, for Stephen's death. He, he held responsibility for the death of Stephen because he thought that what he was doing was in the name of God. It was in the name of religion. So he was killing Christians in the name of God, thinking he was doing God a service or doing Christ a service. So after that, the, but the Bible says the church was scattered abroad, preaching the gospel. So in the midst of that persecution, Philip was one of those Christians, ministers, people who was scattered abroad by God. You see, because they were in a state of comfort. Now, note carefully, if you go back to Acts chapter 1, before Jesus Christ went back to heaven, he said to, to tarry in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria. And after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall be witnesses in all these cities. Jerusalem started first. So Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So when they were gathered in Jerusalem, even though the commission and the command was already given. So what happened? God had to allow a circumstance to rise up because of the death of Stephen to move them beyond Jerusalem. Now, doesn't that sound familiar as we listen and read? I can tell you, and I have good news for many of you who are watching the broadcast. I was privileged to be on Zoom today with the Premier as a pastor. Over 800, 900 pastors had a meeting with, with Premier Doug Ford and his minister responsible for the reopening of churches. And uh, we had a conversation with the Premier, we prayed for the Premier. 
And um, they told us that they, they are working, they are consulting with ministers and pastors in terms of when churches can be opened. So continue to pray. There's light in the darkness and there's light at the end of the tunnel that God is at work. But I can tell you this, that I have heard testimonies. So many church, so many, so many ministers are using the social media. The gospel is going out every corner of the earth now. There are more ministers being raised up in this crisis. Home churches are being birthed. You know why? Because it takes a crisis to produce ideas. It takes a crisis sometimes for God to shake us up and shake us out of our comfort zone. We never know how important something is until we miss it. We never know how important the gathering in our sanctuary is. Shaking somebody's hands. I was about to shake Brother Hardy out hand and he gave me, gave me a fist. <laughs> you see, the heart, the hello, how are you doing? God bless you. We miss it. I miss it. I miss talking to the congregation. I miss visiting. I miss talking to people, praying for the sick. But crisis produces ideas, sometimes that work for the good. And what the enemy means for evil, God turns it around and turns it for the good of his kingdom. So here you have Philip went out and he proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, and signs follow his ministry. Then many came to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Many were healed by, by the special power that Philip had, and God gave to him by the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says, unclean spirits were crying out because of the mighty power of God that was upon Philip. So to, to understand this story from 26 to 40, you go to the background, the backdrop, and, and, and that's why it becomes harder to understand. Because here is Philip in the midst of a revival. Philip is in the midst of something great. Hundreds of thousands of people are accepting the Lord Jesus as their Savior. Conversion was taking place. Revival was in the air. And the Bible said, and Samaria was filled with joy. He called their sins were gone and salvation was embraced. So here we have the first point I want to really talk about is that we see the importance of obedience to the command of God. Verse 26, the Bible says in the midst of all of that, in the midst of these miracles, in the midst of these signs, in the midst of so thousands of people coming to embrace the word of God and embrace the Lord Jesus Christ as their eternal savior, God said to Philip, leave the revival, leave Samaria, leave this spot. There is work for you to do. He didn't say it in words, but all the angel said was go. Go down toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So, if I was Philip, in my humanness, in my humanity, I would find obstacles that would stand in my way of obeying what the angel said. Number one, here am I in the midst of a crowd. I'm in the midst of people are happy, people are joyful. People are thanking God and giving God thanks for their salvation. Many are healed. Many were delivered from evil and demonic spirit. The kingdom of God was prevailing. And so Philip had to obey the command in the midst of these evidences. In the midst of the revival, he was obeying, he had to obey that command. Number two, he was going to a desert. 
There's nothing nice about a desert. It's a wilderness. It's a place of scorpions, serpents, insects. Nobody there, isolated. Could this be God? Could this be God talking to me? God, is it you? I'm in, I'm in the midst of this awesome move of God. And here you're telling me to go down to a desert? But Philip was obedient to the command of God. He did not hesitate. He went down to Gaza, to the desert place, not knowing what to find, not knowing where he was going. He was moving by the command of God. So this underlines my first point, the importance of obeying the command of God. We, we understand from Genesis to Revelation, the place obedience plays in the heart of God's people. That obeying God brings blessings. Disobeying God produces consequences that would be disastrous for a whole lot of people. Samuel said to Saul, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than to the fat of ram. For rebellion is as a sin, as witchcraft. When Saul disobeyed the command of God to slay the Amalekites and the king, and Saul, the king, kept back the best part of the spoil in direct disobedience to God. And because of that disobedience, he lost his kingdom. So I move on. The, the necessity and the importance of God's command cannot be overemphasized. Whenever God speaks, does God still speak? Absolutely. God speaks through his word. God speaks through his spirit. God speaks through his circumstances that he orchestrates and engineers. He's a vital part of because he has our good at heart. Because he wants to bless us. Because he wants to discipline us. He wants to mature us. So he speaks in diverse ways and in diverse fashion. Philip obeyed and he went to Gaza. So the necessity and importance of obeying God again cannot be overemphasized. You and I need to walk in obedience daily in our lives. And there's no such thing as automatic obedience. There's no such thing as total obedience. We obey God daily in our lives. We it's not like a, a, an aspirin we take and we say, there's no more headache for the rest of our lives. Obedience is a day by day by day thing. We obey today and tomorrow we disobey. We, we obey the Holy Spirit, we obey the Word of God today, but tomorrow we disobey in many ways. That's why we need forgiveness. And we need confession before the Lord Jesus Christ and, and the blood of Christ to be applied because as human, as mortals, we fail God every single day in our lives and of our lives. And so we grieve the heart of God. But there is forgiveness when we, when we disobey. There is restoration when we disobey. So we see, we see the importance of obedience to the command of God. When Philip went down, he came and saw a chariot. There was, a, there was a, an officer who was serving Candace, king of, queen of Ethiopia. He came to Jerusalem, you know, he came to Jerusalem to worship. And while he was waiting in the chariot, the Bible says, 
the Holy Spirit spoke to Philip and said, go and join this chariot. But before that, this man was reading. He was a devoted man. He was a religious man. How do we know that? Because he came down to worship at Jerusalem. And while he was waiting, the Spirit of God said to Philip, go and join yourself in this chariot. That's all he said. He didn't give him details. And as he went, the man was reading from the book of the scroll of the prophet Isaiah chapter 53 about a person concerning this person who's, who's going to suffer, who's going to die. He didn't know what he was reading. But God again was working behind the scenes and God was orchestrating, God was pulling the strings and God was, was setting the place, setting this man's heart to receive his salvation and to receive his destiny at that point in time. So when, when Philip drew near, he asked, what are you reading? He said, I'm reading from the book of, the pro of, this, of, the, of this prophet. And as he began to read, Philip said, do you understand what you're reading? He said, how can I understand? Except somebody teach me. Except somebody guide me. And the Bible says, Philip immediately, after he finished reading, Philip began to preach Christ. He preached the gospel. He preached the death the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we see here the principle of preparation. That's what the word of God was doing in this man's life. That's what the word of God was doing in this man's heart. As he was reading the prophet. As he was reading what, who, who is this person? Who is he talking about? The spirit of God was working with the word of God in this man's heart. To receive the master to receive the Messiah because in, in truth and essence nobody can come to Jesus Christ except the Holy Spirit draws him or draws her that, that is spoken clearly by Jesus Christ himself so for, for, for you and I to come to Christ it must be a work that work of prevenient grace in, a, in, in the human heart where before man comes to God God first comes to man in the, like the prodigal son. The father was looking for a lost son who was lost in sin. And that's what God does by his spirit. He prepares us. How he prepares us? Many of us are forming circumstances that, that, that we can do better. And all we have to do is look into ourselves, look into our hearts, Look into our lives. In this crisis, many people are looking into themselves and their one. And the, the reality of death is evident. There, it's all around us. The, 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 the reality of death is floating all around us. And we are aware of our humanity. We are aware of, of the brevity of human life. And so we become more conscious of who we are and what we are. And our limited abilities to, to understand and, and to know what eternity really is. This man was prepared and was reading the word of God. God was laying the foundation of his heart. So when Philip drew near to him and he said, how can I know? It, it, it was the opportunity that God was giving Philip to minister the word of God to him. You know why? Because he had already come to that decision. He had already in his heart know that he wanted this person. He didn't know his name. He didn't know he was the Messiah. But he knew somewhere in his heart that there's something about this person that's attractive. There's something about this person 
that mean something to me and means much so much to me. And Philip began to teach and preach Christ unto him. We must make use of opportunities. The principle of preparation is throughout the Bible. That God does nothing on, except on the premise of preparation. Everything in our lives is about preparation. We are here because we were prepared by God. We are in the kingdom of God today, tonight, because we are we were prepared by God. This crisis is preparing us as we return back to our sanctuaries and back to our various congregations. It's preparing us for proper attitudes, proper conduct, proper focus, proper vision, as we proper zeal must be consumed by God as we return back with our brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we see the principle of preparation, the word of God, the Holy Spirit prepares the heart by the word of God. That's always been God's way from the Bible, even in now in church history. God prepares our hearts by his word, by the circum and true circumstances to which we have been brought into. Then number three, we see the wonderful ministry of the Spirit. All this could not have happened without the Holy Spirit's ministry. Because the Holy Spirit said to Philip as he, as he, he moved by the angel's command, and all he saw was desert. The Spirit, the Spirit said to him, meaning that the Spirit was at work. What Spirit? The Holy Spirit. The third person of the triune God. God the Spirit who came on Pentecost and formed the church. God the Holy Spirit who anointed the disciples to manifest the kingdom of God. It was that same Spirit working through Peter and John in chapter 3. The same Spirit in chapter 4. The same Spirit through Stephen in chapter, in chapter 7. The same Spirit through Philip as he preached the miracle. It was the same anointing of the Spirit coming upon Philip who advised them to join himself to the chariot. Why? Because a soul is at stake. An important soul is at stake. And because, who is this man? We're told that when this man received Jesus Christ, he went back and took the gospel to Ethiopia, back to Africa. The birth of the church. See, one act of obedience to the Holy Spirit can transform a whole city and transform a whole nation the spirit of god is still at work the holy spirit is still active and alive today in the church and he wants to revolutionize our churches he wants us to walk in obedience to him when you and i walk in obedience to the holy spirit and to the word of god we become dynamic in our faith we, we become dynamic in our witness. We become dynamic in our testimonies. We become bold in our proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the midst of fear and panic and, 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 and in the midst of anxieties, when we are walking in obedience to the Holy Spirit, there's never a time in the history of the church that we need to be in obedience to the Holy Spirit and to have the work of the Spirit's ministry active again today in the church. And then we have the presentation of the gospel. The word and the spirit, they go hand in hand. The Holy Spirit never contradicts the word and the word of God will never contradict the Holy Spirit. The two work in harmony 
to produce salvation in this man's heart. When he got to the water, he said, here is water. What hinder me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? He said, yes, I believe with all my heart. You know why? Because the work of salvation has already been prepared in this man's heart. The law had already brought him to his senses. The law, the hammer of God's law brought him to, to the place where he realized, I'm a sinner. That's what the law does in people's lives. It brings us before the gospel and it says, you're a sinner, you are rendered powerless. And that's all it does. It can't go further. And that's where gospel takes over. That's where the grace of God takes over. That's where justification by faith in Jesus Christ comes along and says, you don't have to work. You don't have to do anything to achieve salvation. If you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and you repent, that's all that is needed for salvation. Because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has already done that work. In conclusion, the conversion of the eunuch, the importance of the availability of, of the human vessel. If there was no Philip, this eunuch would never have gotten salvation. There's never a time where God needs people. The harvest is ripe, the laborers are few. We are the laborers in the kingdom of God today. Many are dropping by the wayside. Thank God we believe God in the midst of what's happening. That, that many will come to the church, many will return back to the church, many backslide, and those who turn away will hear the voice of God again. We need vessels. The Holy Spirit needed a vessel to use to bring this man to salvation and faith in Christ. Philip was available. Today, let's make it personal. Are you available? Am I available when God speaks, when His Spirit speaks? Am I, do you have an obedient heart? Do you have an obedient heart? To say, Lord, speak for your servant, listen. Sometimes, like Samuel, when he heard the call of God, three times he went to Eli, and when Eli said, go back, and three times, he said, Samuel said, speak, Lord, for your servant, listen. Sometimes the church turned it around, and the church said, listen, God, for your servant speaks. So we dictate and we mandate for God. This afternoon, this morning, I want us to bow our hearts. I want us to, to, to commit our lives afresh to God and by the Holy Spirit. May He empower us, empower us to be that vessel whom God wants to use in these last and closing days of time. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for every aspect of your word. We thank you for your spirit who is at work in our hearts. We thank you for the command. We thank you for the spirit of obedience. Father, today, forgive me where I have been disobedient. Forgive me where I have not believed. Like the man in the Bible said, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. I come to the cross today for grace and forgiveness. I come for healing. I pray, Lord, around this, the internet, all to those who will listen, for strength, those who are halting between two opinions. Lord, like Israel on Mount Carmel, Lord, that they would surrender their life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I pray for the unbelievers, Lord, who barely heard the word and, and they, they are convicted by the Spirit, that they would come to know Jesus Christ right where they are at this point in time. Lord, today I pray, Father, for the church. I pray for our shut-ins. Lord, I have before me 
there are some names of some of our very precious people, very precious members. Father, we remember Rajkati in the nursing home. We, we, we remember they got Rani and Peter who are locked up, who are shut down, locked away, Father, locked down. We pray for your mercy and protection over their lives. Lord, pray for Fran, wherever she is, Donna, right now, Joey, Mark. Lord, we pray, God, for Deborah. And Lord, we call these names before you because they are precious and they're important to us. That your spirit would reach out and minister to them in times, in moments of depression and despair, that they would know that the same God of Philip, the same Holy Spirit who worked with Philip in the book of Acts and the church of Acts is that same spirit who's right there in their living rooms, I pray. We pray for our premier, Lord, those who are kind of contemplating the reopening of churches. We pray for a speedy work, but give them wisdom. Give them, oh God, the understanding. Give them the ability to discern when is the right time for us to meet again. Because in as much as we want to come back together as a family of God, we, we want lives to be saved and not lives to be lost. So we pray that the hand of God would guide the premier, guide our government, and guide those that those who are installed, those who are responsible for the guidance of this whole program and getting people back to work and getting us back into our churches. Lord, bless our churches financially. Many of them suffer loss financially. We pray you'll multiply the blessings of God, that you'll bless us in even difficult and hard times. Bless our relationships, we pray. Bless husbands and wives, children who are home studying, Lord, the pressure and the stress of being at work at home and having to deal with our children, Father. I pray your grace would prevail in and upon our homes, our nations, and our society. We ask in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord cause favor to turn in your direction and bless you with peace. Amen. And amen. Our sending hymn is number 817.
me a nose spin. We will hear back next week again for another recording coming from the Good Shepherd Sanctuary Lutheran Church of the Good Shepherd. I want to encourage you to, to stay focused, stay strong, and let's invite a friend to join in the broadcast next week. And let's, let's look forward for God to hasten up that time when we can come. Churches can be opened back again. God bless you. Be strong and the spirit of comfort be upon you. Amen.